Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Rory Sutherland's On Brand, brought to you by Alf Insight. In each episode, we'll talk to the big names from the world of advertising, marketing and media to dissect and debate success, ingenuity and the future possibilities for our industry. Well, today I'm joined by Yazan bin Mohammed, the chairman and co-founder of Belivery. Since its origins up north in 2015, the company has seen extensive growth and is now the UK's leading app-based grocery delivery service. Amazingly, offering its services to 90% of UK postcodes. So Yazan, um, Belivery was one of the first apps to offer a delivery service. But I'm curious that perhaps unlike many of the others, you actually started outside London. Tell us about that. Sure. So actually, the company, uh, when it started, it started nationwide. Uh, so um, the reason why we started nationwide is because we wanted to tackle the hard bit. So what we believe the hard bit is um, the logistic or the delivery in an areas which has uh, low density or low density of populations. So as you know, um, usually the, the problem with the rapid grocery delivery is the operational cost associated with the delivery. And we actually found a solution towards that. So what we said, we said, let's do the hard bit and let's start uh, focusing on the low density areas because, you know, the high density areas, it's uh, it's a piece of cake. As, as of today, obviously, we are covering 90% of all available postcodes in the UK. We Most of our orders actually coming from a good mixture from a high density and the low density areas within the UK. The second part, uh, the reason why we started outside London is because uh, we always thought that low density areas uh, have a higher probability uh, or a higher demand in rapid grocery delivery for many different reasons. Maybe people, you know, people they they feel a bit lazy. They don't want to go. Uh, they don't want to go to the supermarket. Uh, also. You know, some of them, they don't have a car. So logistically, it's a bit hard for them. So really for those two reasons. But, you know, as you know, today, delivery is everywhere. It's not associated with uh, load and city areas. I have to say, I think you're absolutely right. Because, um, first of all, um, typically these businesses start in London. And London is now insanely overserved uh, with options, both for uh, takeaway delivery, but also for grocery delivery. 
And the other thing is, I mean, I, I live about two miles outside Seven Oaks, and Deliveroo does operate in Seven Oaks, but its delivery radius is so tiny that practically everybody who can benefit from Deliveroo in Seven Oaks is already in walking distance of a, of a restaurant. Um, and you, you, you've spotted something absolutely clear, which is that if you can effectively make it work in low-density areas, then moving into higher-density areas is effectively a piece of cake, as you say. And the other thing I noticed, by the way, unlike quite a few of your competitors, um, uh, you're not you're app-based, but you're not app-only. So you do actually allow people to order through a website, which, given that they're at home, seems to me a perfectly sensible option. It strikes me as a bit strange that, for example, Gorillas demands that I download an app and go through all the pain of registration um, without necessarily, only perhaps to find out that they don't actually service my area in the first place. So it was all a waste of time. And so I'm pleased also to note that you are a web-based as well as just an app-only um, delivery firm. Was that a conscious choice? Uh, yep. We just want to make, we want to be flexible. You know, we want to be flexible for everybody. So we, we knew that, uh, some people they prefer the web base and some some people they prefer the app also you know we, we are the first company who ever uh, start rapid grocery delivery back in 2015 and one of the hardest bit in this business is how to show your product and we always we always thought that the web base is an easy way to show the products for a user in a more user friendly way way than the app uh, so this is how we started back in 2015. We were we were focusing more on the web, but obviously, then we start later on develop uh, develop the app. But I mean, uh, today we have a really good percentage of our customers and users which they are using the web base, um, as same as the, as as the app. And when you open, given that you're in 90% of areas, I must admit, until I did this interview, I wasn't aware that um, I had heard of you. But I wasn't aware that you served, for example, you know, the area where I live. Uh, how do you actually, what's your principal means of promotion? Is it through referrals? Is it word of mouth? Or do you do active marketing when you enter an area, for example? Or is the bigger problem finding delivery drivers rather than finding customers? No. The way how we expand it is based on demand. So how our algorithm works is as soon as someone uh, starts ordering from an, a particular postcode or a particular area, our systems in the next day will start finding a driver in that nearby area. So this is how we exp this is how we reach 90% of all available postcodes in the UK. Uh, with reference of our customer reach, uh, you know, we do all sorts of marketing from, you know, the digital marketing, referral friend. We obviously have a TV campaign life. But I would say that most of our customers actually came from the SEO search engine or from a referral friend. Um, a really big majority of our customers, they came in this way. And I guess it's for, it's for two main reasons. First of all, we are, we are servicing a really difficult areas where nobody can do a delivery in. Um, uh, that actually has been reflected on us having a really high rating in Trustpilot. We currently have like a 4.7. I think we are the highest among all of our competitors. And that pleasant experience, usually, it will encourage someone to tell us a friend. 
and that's how we built actually our customer database and our geo coverage. Without, without giving away any trade secrets, how do you find your drivers? So the algorithm identifies that there's a surge of interest for orders in a particular postcode. Um, how, how do you find drivers there? Are there particular, do you use taxi firms or do you actually um, uh, have a kind of data bank of people who are available as gig workers? Yeah. So first of all, by the way, if you're going to look into our platform, <coughs> we have a 100,000 registered self-employed uh, drivers 25,000 are full active now getting back again into your uh, question how do we find them uh, so we basically we keep doing uh, smart recruiting uh, where we we actually go after uh, the drivers um, we have a diff we have we, we have a different approach uh, not the classic approach which all the companies which are doing um, also, we have a good mixture. Some of our drivers, uh, they are taxi companies, as you referred. Others, they are, you know, takeaway uh, delivery drivers. Uh, we have also some normal people, uh, some mums. We have a big percentage of also some mums, which they are doing deliveries uh, for us. Um, and also, the, the advantage about our driver network is we have all sorts of we have a good mixtures of those drivers. Some drivers, uh, you know, they have a car. Others, they have a motorcycle. Others, they have a bicycle. Others, you know, they don't even have a car. They just do a delivery by walking. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, just so what we do is basically we will trigger the demand. Once we trigger the demand, immediately we start doing, there's two types of recruitment. There is the normal recruitment, which we are doing it in any way, and there is the smart one. And the reason why I am referring about a smart recruitment is because there are certain areas uh, you, will, you will find a difficulty in finding, um, in finding a decent number of drivers, and especially in some low-density areas when you don't have enough number of orders. If you do not have enough number of drivers or you make them excited in a way, then it will be quite challenging because they might not be active in your network in any way. So we found a solution for that. We have a solution, you know, it's part of our trade secret where we're keeping a balance. We're keeping our drivers fully active, fully engaging. And, you know, our numbers speak for itself. You know, as you know, our business model is not dark store business model. But when you're going to look into the speed, last month, our average uh, delivery time was 50% um, uh, of our orders has been actually delivered under 35 minutes, and the remaining was within 60 minutes. And here we're talking about nationwide. We're not talking about city center London nationwide. That's very difficult to achieve a delivery under 35 uh, minutes within those time frame. When you look into the accuracy of, picking the products, we have like a 95% accuracy in picking up the products. So those are, are really strong numbers and really hard to achieve in the industry. And you know, for you to do that in some of the very difficult low density areas. Which, which stores do you partner with? Is it independent retailers or do you have any particular partnerships with larger sort of multiples? No, we are, we are, not, um, we are not tied to anybody. So uh, the, uh, the source of our products can be anywhere. 
So sometimes it might be independent retailers, sometimes it might be big stores, you know, depend about really the, the location of the customer and also the location of the driver when the delivery trigger. That's, that's really, really interesting. It's extraordinarily clever. So I've got to ask the question, how do you make money? <laughs> yeah, so we're making money basically from the delivery fees. We, we focus on how to drive down the delivery cost as low as possible. And if you can drive this element as low as possible, then you can make a commercial viable business model. 87% of our orders actually are profitable. That's very interesting. And, and, and do the fees vary with distance? Uh, yes, they are, yeah. Because that's, that's a weird one, again, which has always struck me as a bit of a failing of Deliveroo, in that I would pay, on occasion, I'd pay quite a large amount of money for Deliveroo to extend its delivery radius to where I live beyond this incredibly narrow kind of radius they have. And I even have one of my daughter's friends has this bizarre situation where instead of being able to pay a pound extra for the delivery driver to go 100 yards further, they lie just outside the delivery delivery radius and they have to order the food to be delivered to one of their neighbours four doors down the street no. and then stand outside the gate waiting for this bike to arrive which seems a kind of crazy arrangement. I've never understood why they do it like that. You just have a simple binary radius of delivery and you don't offer anybody the option of paying a bit more to go half a mile further. Yeah. It's completely crazy. Yeah, it is. But uh, to be honest, De Deliveroo, Oprah Eats, uh, their business model is very limited. It's a, it's a very different business model of us. And I understand why they have a limitation of geo coverage. Uh, I think usually what Deliveroo do is they set up a geo coverage up to two miles from the store which they are partnering up with. And again, the reason for that is because they also they have a specific um, arrangement with the th with the third party last mile delivery companies. So they usually identify their cost. What they do is you know. Their business model, they will take a commission from the grocery store. I don't know, it might be 5 up to 10%. Um, they off, Obviously, they are charging the delivery cost on the customer. And they will have an arrangement with a third-party company to do the delivery on their behalf. So it's a must for them to deliver from point A to B. So they are, very, they are restricted within a certain geo area. And uh, in order to make the order profitable, and I doubt, I you know, I think, I think this is very challenging. You know, during the pandemic, you know, independent stores, big chains, supermarkets, they were desperate. Nobody wanna visit, you know, the stores. But post the pandemic, inflation, you know, we have been inflation gonna increase. Minimum, minimum. Uh, paid gonna get, get increased. It has very challenging. I think, you know, it's gonna push you know grocery grocery industry it has a very low margin already. Uh, so I, I don't understand this arrangement. I don't think it will last for a very long time. And in my opinion, that's the reason why Lidl they have terminated their commercial relationship with Deliveroo because commercially is not viable. And I think in the next coming month we will see more of this. Yes, I, I, it struck me that, of course, the most difficult part of delivery is always the last mile and, and businesses that focus exclusively on the last mile, which have a kind of flat fee arrangement. Ultimately, that's going to fail. 
Because it seems also silly to me, because the value, of course, of the delivery is to some extent proportionate to distance. You know, if if you're already within two miles of a major store or or within walking distance, the value diminishes. Do you charge differently at different times of the day and night? We do, yeah. So our our charge is, is, is yeah in 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 the day is different at the night obviously at, at the night we uh, it is uh, more expensive and then then you also interestingly I suppose the, uh, the the nature of the order changes significantly by time of day so you'll get more drinks and tobacco orders late in the evening I guess mm, yeah not necessarily you know our order mix mixture is is really interesting. It really depends, you know, from where is the order it's coming from. But of course, yeah, you know, late at night, usually the nature of the order is more sort of, you know, snacks or, you know, um, frozen items. Or This is very interesting. I mean, do you, do you ever get, is there a sort of debate? I've always felt slightly, I mean, I don't know if you, you'd probably agree with this, actually, that there's scope really for a locker system to exist in the UK. Mm-hmm. Where if everybody in the UK, do you ever get environmental criticism, for example, about uh, the environmental impact of delivery? Because yeah. uh, that that's become an issue, or just the congestion that results from it. Mm-hmm. Never mind the actual emissions, because um, we can electrify delivery fairly easily, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but um, I've always felt that that an open access locker system for the whole of the UK, similar to Amazon lockers, but ten times the scale, uh, will eventually be a game changer for this kind of business because delivering to a locker um, is inordinately easier than delivering to a door, particularly in lower density areas, actually. Is that something you hope for or that you're planning for? Um, uh, um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I think the future is definitely drones and uh, robotic vehicles. And those usually, those vehicles, you know, they are operated by, you know, by batteries. So they will have a less environmental issues but you know the criticism about the environmental issue is quite common in this industry uh, however you know in delivery there's a couple of things we need to 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 bear it in mind first of all we are doing a delivery on behalf of a customer you know if the customer um haven't ordered from us they will drive their own car and go, you know, to the store and shop. You know, that will trigger some of the environmental issues. But there is another, there is another thing. I mean, with us, because of our business model, usually our drivers um, allocate nearby a store and nearby a customer at the same time. So we yes. usually we are influencing. And some of them, by the way, they're doing multiple deliveries. So in one way or another, we usually reduce the carbon fire, uh, the carbon footprint per customer because we our drivers they travel a lower distance than the customer would have travelled had they made the had they undertaken the journey themselves. Yes, I see that. That's a perfectly reasonable defence. Yeah. But the, the yeah. last thing, you know, f- from our perspective, we always uh, push or recommend our drivers to use environmental solutions such as like the e-bike or anything which is environmental, you know, friendly. And this is the best which we could do because we are, at the end of the day, we are a connector gate between a prospective customer and prospective uh, driver. However, where I see the future, the future, it will be based on, um, as I mentioned, on on drones and uh, automated cars. But I don't think the market is prepared for such thing yet. That it needs many years until it comes. 
I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, there, there are interesting experiments, and I suppose the uh, the question of people being overflown will be controversial to start with. Um, and the use cases for drones, I mean, at the moment, medical supplies in Africa is a very, very successful use case. Um, but uh, for, for home delivery, I think there's one business, isn't there, in Atlanta, if I've got it right, mm. uh, which is doing it. But we probably jumped the gun on that. I think people got too enthusiastic too soon. Yeah. And um, we have, uh, you know, we have some time before that really becomes real. Um, it's, it's a slight tendency, I think, in technology that people always talk more about what's six years out than what's already here or what is, you know, what is six months out. And so that, that hype cycle, I think, can be problematic uh, in that it raises expectations a bit too soon. Yeah. So you had, you had a big injection of uh, investment last year. And you also, if I'm right, you also bought a company in London, I yeah. think. Is that yeah, right? That's correct. Yeah, Pinga. Uh, so you bought a, a Pinga in London, and that had six hundred drivers and five thousand customers. Where, where did that operate in London? I didn't know about Pinga. I have to admit. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it were operating in central London. It's quite a small company in comparison with us, and uh, we've seen synergies with with the company. Uh, you know, they were well established in the areas which they are. So we thought those are synergies, and that's the reason why. Um, we bought out the company. I have to say, I think your um, uh, your different approach to entering the market, the fact that you entered the market in a different place makes you more robust. Yeah. And the fact that you serve low-density areas means that you're, you're far less vulnerable to hyper-competition, which I can see happening mm -hmm. in central London pretty quickly. Both hyper-competition for drivers, by the way, and hyper-competition for customers. Yeah. But you think there'll be a kind of clear-out in the market over the next few years with some of the people being essentially unsustainable. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. Do you, and you, you think the dark, you think the dark store model doesn't really work ultimately? Um, do you? Um, look, for a one competitor, for a one player, sorry, it might work for a one player. Although I'm questioning that big time. However, I think uh, you know we always believed. Let me just tell you about delivery. What we believed. Okay, so. The, the 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 rapid grocery delivery is a is is a problem which many companies have trialed since 2000 and they failed on it and the main reason for that is because the operational and the logistic cost of the rapid grocery delivery usually supersede any financial gains uh, which which you are making so nobody really uh, tackled this problem if Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We're going to look into the dark store business model. Their, you know, their solution is very simple. Their solution is they buying the product at a wholesale price. So they are buying the product at a 50% discount and they are selling it at a retail price. So whatever is the margin or the commercial gain which they done, they think it will cover the operation and the logistic uh, cost. And in this way, they can do a rapid grocery delivery um, um, you know, via, via this model. But the, 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 the fact is, and there is many reports about that, you know, and everyone knows about it, is, you know, usually the margin which they build up usually supersede uh, any commercial gain which they are making. And we see their model is get, is get more challenged because, you know, the prices of the dark stores have start getting increased. There's inflation. There's, there's many things that's getting increased. So in delivery, we believe in a total different uh, philosophy. You're also vulnerable, I guess, to changing customer tastes because the margins on different grocery products vary enormously. Of course. So, um, you know, if consumers develop tastes for lower margin products, you, you immediately suffer a pretty, pretty imminent threat. Yeah. You know, if people have more low margin products delivered than high margin products, you could quick, quickly see your model go underwater, I think. Yeah, but we, we have a different philosophy. I mean, what we believe, we believe that if you can, you know, if you can allocate a driver who's nearby a customer and nearby a store at the same time, and you know you would you will be able to pay the driver less because it's a quite an easy short journey and if you decrease the delivery cost you could you, you know this is the key thing this is how you can make this operation commercial viable uh, so that's uh, it's a different philosophy however what i think moving forward i think there is a huge competition in 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 the uk however it's a uh, healthy competition from our perspective we are not getting affected but i'm sure many dark stores they are they are harming each other because our business model is a light assets business model we don't have any costs all we pay for is you know our some of our softwares and customer service and that's it so we have a very low operational cost but with those they have lots with, with the dark stores they have lots of uh, expenses so from our perspective i think they are preparing the market for us uh, future wise i don't think many companies will last for sure i've seen that you know we are the delivery is the first company have who ever done a rapid grocery delivery back in 2015 when we started amazon fresh uh, we're promising customers to do a delivery under um, two hours and one hour now they disappear there's two companies called Quick Upgen who raised at the time 20 million each. And one of them actually done a partnership with Tesco. Again, they vanished. So why why today? I mean, I think I think look, the demand has been increased. Obviously, six years or six years or five years back is a, is a different world than today. The demand has been increased. However, I'm not sure if the market 
is for everyone. I think the market is for a couple of companies. And, you know, the company who can stand is the company uh, which have a low operational cost and they can manage uh, their operation in the most efficient way. Last thing which I want to mention, we going after the right ticket size and the right customers. You know, we, you don't need to go after a customer and keep tipping him with endless vouchers. I don't understand where is the LTV out of this. So if you see now, yeah. where is the market norm? 50% discount, 25, get a five pound and all of that. It's ridiculous. You'll never ever make money out of this. And then when you're gonna look into their retention, their retention is not the best. You know, some of those companies, they have a retention of like 30% or 40%. So I didn't understand the commercial value at all. It's just, you know, you are just building up a shaky pyramid of uh, customers. What you're doing is attracting customers with discounts. So your customer base ends up to be a very discount hungry customer base who are effectively chasing savings. Absolutely. And what you're attempting to do is build up a customer base of people who, not unreasonably, are prepared to pay money for food and drink and so forth to be delivered to their home. Absolutely, yeah. And so the incentives you offer, you don't, I, I don't think you even offer a, a, a discount off first order, do you? No, quite, we do. Quite no, we, we do. We do. Offer, you do. Yeah, you we do. do offer okay. a reasonable discount. We don't put like crazy discounts, like fifty percent, no. things like that. You always need to attract a customer but like in a reasonable manner look where we believe we believe that you need to go after a customer who really wants a demand you don't need to force a customer about an experience and then you force him to to, to make to make it as a habit why this is dangerous you know those type of customers which you basically force them to adopt you as a habit they have a really high expectation we focusing on the right customers the customers who really wants a demand and the second bit, bit uh, is uh, we focus on, on the right ticket size because this is the key. You know, you don't need to make a delivery for a £10 uh, where you, there is no way that you could make money out of it. There is no way. This is not an order. I think this is you are just gifting a £10 for somebody because, you know, on a £10 delivery or a £15 delivery, you know, th- th- there is a high possibility that you are losing, I don't know, up to 20 or £30 in some of the of the crazy business model which I'm currently seeing in the UK. So, so one of the advantages is that there's always a danger that these companies acquire a completely excessive valuation and then they're forced to grow at an unrealistic pace in an attempt to live up to that valuation, to justify the valuation. It never occurred to me before until I read something about a month ago, which is that very high valuations for internet stocks can actually be highly damaging to the company. Yeah because they force them to engage in behaviours which are not really sustainable in the longer term in order to kind of justify their yeah. um, stock price. No, I, I agree, yeah, I agree. And I think, I think there will be, you know, towards, definitely towards the end of this year and the beginning of next year, um, there, there will be, um, I think there will be lots of consolidation uh, you know, many companies, they will suffer big time because they're, uh, I think some of those companies, their investment, their investors, they will run out, you know, run out of patience. And I think the market itself, it will get changed. I personally do think towards the end of the year, because I think there will be a less appetite to investing uh, in general towards the end of the year for whatever, you know, for the political for the political reasons and for any, many, many other reasons just associated with the economy. 
So I, I, I see that there, there will be a, a really big problem uh, in the next coming month. And anyway, from our perspective, what I want to say is, you know, this problem is actually not only for the dark star only. It's all, also, it might extend it to us. So from our uh, perspective, all we care about is how to drive efficiency, uh, drive our uh, operational costs as low as possible in order to enable delivery, not to operate for the next 10 years, for the next 30 years. This is our philosophy, how we are working. But interestingly, you're not a scale-dependent business in that sense. If you have a dark store, it's only really feasible if you have a very high market share and a very high frequency of purchase. Whereas in your case, you can actually operate in an area with relatively lower demand, probably with a monopoly over delivering to more remote areas. The other thing which is worth noting is you are actually supporting local shops, whereas many of these other alternatives are further contributing to the death of the high street. Um, So that the stores you support are also available for people to walk into. Uh, Whereas if if you create dark stores, of course, what you are doing is cannibalizing to some extent the revenue of stores and family livelihoods. Um, uh, which, uh, you know, can't, you know, to some extent depend on a little bit of, you know, a scale to actually survive in the first place. And so I think I think that's a very that's a very good defense that you have effectively a, a, a growth model that's very, very organic. Yeah. It's not dependent on a speed of growth or nor is it dependent on geographical intensity or concentration. Yeah. Either. No, absolutely. Yeah, you are absolutely right. I mean, last thing which I want to say, I think, you know, a dark store business model, just to be clear, there is many diff, diff, many different business models. There is the dark store business model, there is the shop in your behalf business model, like what Deliveroo and Uber Eats they are doing. There is our model. Uh, you know, uh, what I want to say, all of those models are great. Uh, however, uh, what we believe that our competitors' models, they work for certain densities or certain areas and they are very limited and they are a perfect model if, if they have like a one player not like six or seven different companies it's rather like the early days of the penny post no. you could only make the penny post work absolutely. if you only had one royal mail yeah. exactly no. no i agree yeah absolutely that's actually that's that's what i was referring to so um, let's see what is you know the end of the year will cover for us. I think, I think you know this year you will not say you will not see any dramatic changes. I think the dramatic changes you will see it the year after because many of those uh, model has been recently got funded, but I'm not sure how long they're gonna sustain until the next year. And that is the key question is next year. And from my perspective, I think next year, investors, they're going to push, they want to sell or they want to do an IPO. Is the market ready for an IPO or not? I don't know. You know is the investors that are ready to inject the cash? Big question mark on that. You know, and, you know, it's the, the problem usually happens when someone tries to look into their commercial benefits. And I think this is when the models collapse and, and there, there, there will be like a problem within the market. I could see this like definitely 2023, no question. No, this is interesting, yes. I, I think a shakeout's probably long overdue. And um, uh, I mean, that will, you know, that I suppose that you may end up with a kind of winner-takes-all situation or possibly a regional, it could even be a regional winner-takes-all yeah. conceivably, um, uh, you know, with, 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 with certain players dominant in central city centre areas and... Um, but your model, as you said, you can actually make money regardless of what happens, which is a uh, 
a fairly significant difference. Do you have any plans for new innovations? Anything, uh, you know, in terms of the, uh, for example, the app software? I've used the web software. I haven't used the app software no. yet. Is there anything you see as particularly um, uh, in terms of upgrading user experience? Yeah, we do, yeah. So there is a number of projects which we are actually introducing. It will be, it will be happening uh, in the next coming uh, weeks and months. One of the things also which we are mainly focusing on is the speed of the delivery. So as I mentioned, like in January, at least 50% of our orders under 35 minutes. There's a really good proportion, by the way, of our deliveries done within 10 and 15 minutes. Uh, we want to generalize that across all of our orders, potentially, at, or at least uh, across all the orders which they are under 25 pound value. Because it's a bit hard when it's reached like two fifty pound or more. Is that is that because of different vehicles required, or just that it takes no, longer to shop? No, uh, it as takes well? more longer to shop because we do the picking and parking, unlike any other company. That's the difficult part. And the picking and parking consume the most of the time. And when you have an order which is more than fifty pound worth of goods, obviously, uh, you know our personal shopper will spend decent time to look for the items. Are most orders sourceable from one shop, or do you have to go to several? Uh, actually, actually, most of the orders, yeah, they are sourced from one shop. Uh, but uh, it's it's very rarely we have where where we have our driver go to several shops. Have you thought of doing partnerships with specific retailers, or would you just prefer not to? Um, you prefer to stay completely independent. No, we are open. We are open towards that. You're yeah, open. I mean, intentionally, yeah. intentionally, in the beginning, we didn't want to do it. But now we have, we have a, we, we, like, we have a couple of ideas which we are thinking. Uh, um, we are, we are thinking to introduce in the next couple of weeks, and we've been approached by many big supermarkets, and they, they told us. Uh, uh, they are interested of a shop partnership and things like that. So, yeah, we are exploring that. But we want to explore that based on our terms. I mean, one advantage of that, of course, is I suppose it then pays the shops to market your existence. Mm -hmm. So the shops themselves can actually promote you as an option, which is a very ineffective Absolutely, way of getting yeah. new business, yeah. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Because you're planning, I think, if I'm right, it's 450,000 new customers, am I yeah, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, with a recent investment. Yeah. And that's what in the, uh, what's the time frame for that? Um, so we, we received the investment last year. We achieved a really good mi milestone in that. We, ha we had more 50% of this KPI. And we are building yeah. further. Yeah, we wanted to acquire more further. Oh, that's that's really absolutely fantastic. So all I can say is, I mean, I think actually, I mean, we, we shouldn't forget this, by the way. Uh, obviously, this is a profitable business. It exists to make money. But it's also a very important service to, I mean, for example, uh, a cardo is almost as valuable to me in doing shopping for my father, who's over 90. Yeah. He lives in the Welsh borders. And so the ability, you know, I live 150 miles away, the ability to make sure that he's always provisioned with things um, for elderly people, people who live in slight, slightly remoter places, people who may decide they don't want to own a car anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, th this is actually, we, we shouldn't forget, this isn't just a commercial imperative. Yeah. It's actually a very, very valuable social service uh, in the sense that, you know, um, the ability actually for people to order, uh, you know, one of the things I think that's quite growing is people ordering food online for, rel for more elderly relatives. For Absolutely. Yeah. So sometimes this is done for third parties as mm -hmm. well. And I think we shouldn't forget this. This is actually, yeah. um, uh, you know, it, it's a business, but actually it's a significant social benefit for a lot of people, people with disabilities, people who are older and so yeah, on. Yeah. And um, 
government should encourage it for that reason, I think. Absolutely. Man, I totally agree with you. But not only this, I want to add into that. You know, I've seen within our operation sometimes uh, some of our personal shoppers, you know, they are housewives, which they are doing their, like, you know, their normal uh, shopping in the supermarkets. And sometimes they would receive a notification from delivery about a potential order for a nearby customers. And some of them, you know, they, because they are in the middle of their shopping journey, they will do it. And, you know, they will get the, they will get the items delivered and they can make a bit of money on it. So it's not only for the customer community, for the personal shoppers community. It's also amazing, I think, our service, because there's many people, they're getting benefit of this while they are doing their existing activities or they they... You know their normal activities because you know the, the the special thing about delivery we 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 work differently we do not dictate it's you know our engagement with the, with the, with with our personal shopper based on a full freedom uh, we do not what what we do we just send a notification it's like a competition we send a notification for many different uh, uh, personal shoppers and the first one who accept the the notification they will log in into the app. And once they're gonna log in into the app, you know, they will start doing their, uh, you know, they will they will do the delivery, and they have the full freedom to cancel or, you know, to keep uh, doing that. But you know, that level of a freedom, and that yes. level of a financial benefit is a key because some people, you know, it's, as I mentioned, for the for the personal community, it's a key thing. They can also make money out of it. And so there's no absolutely no commitment or obligation. So anybody who has to fit in working for B-Livery with, for example, commitments as a parent, commitments as a carer, um, uh, you know, other things that might intrude into their time, they can join B-Livery without any fear that they'll ever be marked down for not taking a... No, a, a, no. Not picking a delivery. We build the network based on absolutely 100% freedom. We do not ask for anything. What we What we do... Sometimes we provide hints. We even, you know, even when the driver they wanted to buy from the shops, we give them also the freedom to choose the shops. We do not dictate them to go into. So I think we have one of the most flexible and flexible networks which is which has ever exists in the UK, where we do not interfere much into our driver. And because you know, our belief, you shouldn't dictate the driver to do a certain uh, delivery. What you should so we are a tech company. We have the infrastructure ready. You know, if a driver is not ready in the middle of a delivery, we should have a replacement immediately. Who someone is ready and, you know, he got the mode to do the thing within, you know, within the time frame or within the requirement. Um, and you leave them free to use their own intelligence and local knowledge yeah. to solve the problem. Because I think so many, so many of these kind of, um, algorithmically driven things effectively work by very providing very narrow instructions for what that person must yeah. do, which means that their local intelligence gets completely lost. Yeah. You know, they know where there are road works. They know, you know, they they're always going to know a certain number of things. You know, they they know where to leave groceries if you know um, if the person's out. They can use their own judgment, and I think those things which are very prescriptive actually fall short because they. That they try and recreate in software a kind of intelligence that's only really resident in people's heads. Yeah. It's rather like you know your postman knows exactly what to do if you're exactly. out because your postman is the same postman and he knows yeah. you. Whereas if you have completely random people 
you know, every time is a new delivery, effectively. Absolutely, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And yeah. one final thing which I want to mention is, <clears throat> you know, we, as I mentioned, we all, we, we only we only provide hints or guidance, like like a minimum guidance for our drivers, not in a sneaky way. Like, for example, just I'm going to give you an, an example of if we want to guide a, a driver to a customer, we will give him the ability to use Google Map. You know, Google Map, everyone use it. We will not have a dictated route uh, like other, other companies just to get him into the location where we have. And if you don't want to use, you know, the Google Map, he can't just close it and use something else. One thing I really like, by the way, is that you build in the option to tip into the purchase process, not least because nobody's got any cash anymore. You know, I mean, I don't think I don't think I've got I, I think I might have a few 20 pound notes in the house, but that's. Yeah, even you know a generous man, but that's probably a bit generous as a tip. Uh, but you are, um, what percentage of people do tip? Because that I imagine makes quite a big difference to the uh, the income of the delivery rider. And do you know if you get a substantial number of tips? And do yeah yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have the figures, but we have a good percentage, like a decent percentage of people tipping, and it, do, it does make a difference. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, all I can say is, um, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Thank you. And I can see how you're now, I now understand brilliantly how you're differentiated from everyone else. All it remains for me to say then is that that's all for this episode of On Brand. Uh, The podcast is brought to you by Alf Insight. And for more information on powering your business growth, simply visit their website, alfinsight.com. That's alfinsight.com. Uh, The series is produced and expertly edited, as ever, by Ultimate Sound and Vision, who have been unfailingly wonderful to me over the last few years. And to make sure you receive the next episode, do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, then give us a like. It all helps the algorithm somehow. Thank you for listening and look forward to speaking to you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 